Welcome to The Common Share, a podcast about cooperative businesses. I'm Asa Marshall with Cooperatives First, an organization that promotes cooperative business development in rural and Indigenous communities across Western Canada. For more information on us and what we do, visit cooperativesfirst.com. If you need resources for starting your own co-op, check out coopcreator.com. This is a great resource site that has everything you need to get a co-op up and running. In the first episode of Season 3, I had the pleasure of speaking to Carol Kitchen, former CEO of United Farmers of Alberta, otherwise known as UFA. This large retail co-op has been around for over 100 years and supplies producers across Alberta with goods and fuel. When Carol joined UFA, it was struggling both financially and operationally, and, as she'll explain in the podcast, had lost the trust of its members. Alberta was also about to go through an economic hit with the downturn of the oil sector. Despite these challenges, within four years of Carol's leadership, the business had turned things around. It even distributed $12.5 million in patronage dividends to its members in 2018 and $14 million in 2019. Carol recently stepped down as head of UFA to take a position back in her home state of Illinois, but we were lucky enough to speak with her before the end of her tenure. She reflected on her highly impactful time as leader of this large and long-standing co-op and the incredible work she did to turn its culture and balance sheet around. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. I guess, first of all, I mean, judging from the outside, your tenure at UFA has been a very positive one for the organization, and that's both financially and structurally. I know you were quoted as saying, like, to be a good cooperative, first UFA has to be a good business. So can you talk a bit about that? What, what was the state of UFA when you first started, and, and how is it doing today? Well, it was quite a bit different, uh, you know, four years ago when I got here. And, and obviously a lot of things are different with, you know, the economy has gone through quite a bit of transition from, you know, 2013, 2014, and early 2015 in Alberta. But, you know, when I got here, there was a profit in the organization was uh, was waning. And we still owned the wholesale sports business at that time. And, you know, Cabela's and Bass Pro were entering into the markets that we were already in place and as well as online. So that business was changing very quickly. You know, we had we had lost a lot of the trust of our members, to be honest with you, because I think part, partially because of the, the diversion to invest in, in wholesale sports. But also we were not executing well on the day-to-day components of our business. So, uh, you know, I think there was a lot of belief when I first got here that the strategy was the biggest challenge, and the strategy has been a more important uh, process over the last two years. But in the first two years, it was really about the execution of the organization and showing people that we were a financially viable organization and, you know, we're a good partner to work within the marketplace. But, you know, 2015, in 16, the economy in Alberta went through a significant transition, and and certainly we were a part of that. We were affected by that. So it's both internal and external factors. So today, as you mentioned, we have paid patronage for members both of the last two years. And uh, we're building a business that I think in most, in almost every category that we participate in, is the business is growing. Uh, we're, you know, gaining market share in some key categories. And uh, we've been able to bring some new products like premium diesel X-Bold to our customers and really kind of get focused back on the heritage of the organization uh, we we liquidated the wholesale sports investment, which you know allowed us to really get focused on the the core business of serving our our ag members. Mm-hmm. So it's a very it's a pretty different place today actually than it was uh, four years ago. Yeah, 
And just curious too, when you first started, I mean, what was it that made you want to take on this this challenge of, of coming into UFA at this time and kind of making changes? Well, I, I mean, you know, I think it's fair to say it's not a secret that I didn't probably totally understand all of the implications of the challenges that UFA had been going through in the last, let's say, 10 years. But, um, you know, certainly and nobody expected the kind of economic shift that the province was going to go through. But, you know, I had, uh, when I came to interview and meet with the board here, I, I had experience uh, in almost all of the businesses that UFA operates, you know, really short of the wholesale sports business. So I'd been around retail, I'd been around the fuel business and, and obviously the agronomy business. And I've dealt with, had dealt with producers and co-op members all around the world. And I thought, well, you know, here's a chance for me to, uh, to potentially bring some of my ideas to a different organization and, and see what happens. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime shot to get to lead an organization. Uh, not very many people get that opportunity, so I was happy to, to step in, although I would, I would say that I really was not – it was not clear to me or anybody, quite frankly, the kind of challenges that we were going to face in the first two years. Yeah, and my next question was going to be, can you talk about some of the, the biggest challenges that you faced in this process um, as you worked towards getting UFA into a healthier place? Well, I think, as I said, you know, the economy uh, in Alberta, when the oil and gas uh, business really significantly slowed down and, you know, a significant part of our business is fuel, which goes to non-ag accounts. And when the Alberta economy is down, that means, you know, every part of the business was impacted, whether it was our stores or our fuel business. So that was probably the biggest challenge. You know, I think all of us, the board thought that we would have a little bit of breathing room from earnings from the fuel business. And and those were challenged certainly in the first two years. Um, you know, and, and just being, getting engagement uh, from employees and then ultimately with customers because the business was not performing well on a day-to-day basis. People had lost trust. You know, many times customers said, don't make me drive past your store again because you don't have the product that I need. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it takes, time, uh, it takes time to fix things. I think, you know, one of the things I've, in the past, I, my observation is there were a lot of a band-aids. There were band-aids applied to the business to try to fix things, and I'm not a fan of band-aids. I'm a fan of actually getting to the root cause of the problem and fixing it, which certainly takes more time. So uh, time, you know, was not always on our side. We needed to show it a different kind of engagement, and but we also needed the time to fix the business and earn the trust back of our employees and our customers. So, you know, time was probably one of the biggest challenges. You, you know, you always want to act with urgency, but you don't want to do things that are, are you know, just knee-jerk reactions. Um, and then, you know, having the right talent is always a, an important component of a turnaround like this. And so, you know, over the first two years, we made some changes in the leadership team and, and talent and bringing in some uh, some people from the outside as well as developing some people on the inside. So it's just changing the culture not to be much more customer focused. Mm-hmm. And I know a big part of your strategy was spending a lot of time on the road going to each store and district that UFA has. Can you talk a bit about why this sort of more on the ground strategy was really important to you? And how did being a co-op influence this decision to reach out in a more sort of grassroots way? Well, I mean, I've said many times that people and members at UFA knew that they were getting a new CEO. I'm pretty sure they did not expect that it would be a person from Minnesota 
and certainly they did not expect that it was going to be a woman. <laughs> so I felt like, you know, for me to kind of show up out in the country and, and show that I was interested in the business and that I cared about the customers was an important message for our customers, but also for our employees that, you know, it's like we we are not here without our, our customers and our members. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I had seen other people do that in the cooperative world, and I thought that that was a pretty important thing to do here. So... I think I think it's a good thing to do, actually, regardless of the kind of business that you're in. If you can communicate to your customers that and your members that they are important to what you do and what the, what you're here to serve them, I I don't think there's a better way to do that than a person mm-hmm. in terms of making an impact. And and agriculture is a relationship-based business, and uh, I I knew that I was going to be a different face than uh, than. The organization had had in the past, and I thought it was better for people to meet me in person rather than to just read about me in, a, in an article or on the on the internet. Yeah, and so can you highlight maybe um, one of your favorite parts about your time on the road, or at any point in your <laughs> tenure at UFA, what what has made it great? Well, there yeah, there are a lot of stories that come uh, off when you're on the road like that, and some are good and some are bad, and uh, you know some some are very big learning opportunities. You know, one of the days I was. When I first got here, I was uh, going around meeting folks, and I was visiting one of our delegates out in Acme, Alberta, Matt Sawyer. And one of the best times to visit with a farmer these days, you know, is to ride in the cab of the tractor. And uh, so Matt was feeding that morning, and I got up in the in the cab, and we were, we were he was he was running uh, their feeder, and we were sitting there having a conversation. And in the course of that conversation, uh, it kind of dawned on both of us that even though he was a delegate with UFA we had not really asked him for his seed order. And I was shocked. I was like, here's a customer, you know, here's a member, here's a customer, here's a person that's in our governance system that we had not even called on as somebody to potentially purchase products. And uh, as it dawned on me, the longer I rode in that, that round, the kind of the steam I think was coming out of my ears and I got out of the tractor and got in the car and the phone started ringing. And I know that uh, there was some messages delivered that day. And that's, you know that was a learning experience. It was a, it was a, it was a good learning for me to kind of really get focused on what we were doing as an organization. Mm-hmm. You know another another one of the stories. One day I was in Strathmore, and uh, as, as I often do, I uh, I just show up in our businesses. I just you know, particularly if the weather's nice and my calendar is a little bit light, I will just get in the car. And uh, so I drove out to Strathmore, and uh, I was talking to our uh, one of our real retail leaders out there, and I said to him you know, Kevin, you know, what should I keep doing? What should I stop doing? And he said, well, you should keep doing this. And I said, what's this? He goes, just showing up unannounced. And I said, because he goes, because in the past, there was always a big, you know, production of having management come to the field. And I said to him, well, you know what? Our customers don't make appointments. Why should I? And he smiled and he laughed and he goes, you know, it's, that's, you're right. And it's just those kind of simple things that are not always, you know, the biggest strategies and the most complex ideas that can really help drive your business. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's days like that that you, and you get reconnected with the business and you get reconnected with employees and, and, and members, I think that makes a big difference in how people see our organization. Absolutely. And it's so interesting to hear that, you know, those little moments or little insights can really help you shape the, the broader strategy of a very large company, you know, that those can have such an important impact is, is really nice to hear. Well, and I think you just learn so much faster when you see it for yourself, mm-hmm. 
rather than having somebody tell you what, what is actually out, you know, what they think is happening with their spin on it. It's not a good or a bad spin, but it's just their perspective versus gathering your own perspective with your own two eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And so as you mentioned, you're, you're originally from the States and you have an agriculture background and you, you've also held leadership roles in, in other major ag co-ops across North America. And in September, you're heading back to the States to join Growmark as its VP of Energy and Logistics. So how, how does the Alberta market compare to sort of the American Midwest? Um, are ag co-ops and farmers there facing similar challenges to here, do you think? Well, I would say absolutely. Um, you know, the it's interesting. I had to learn a lot when I came here because I came out of a market that was, I was in the feed business for quite a while, and then my experience growing up on a farm in Illinois I, you know, I didn't have experience with the crops that we grow here in Alberta that are, you know, broad acre based versus a row crop model. But I'll tell you what, farmers are pretty much the same, whether you're in Mexico or in China, in Alberta or in Illinois, that it's still, you know, they want you to, they want to see the, the, the results and they want to, you know, have a personal relationship and, and they want to be respected for what they do. So, but certainly, you know, the, the trade issues uh, that we have in Alberta today, uh, you know, there's certainly... And they're related. You know, I think we can clearly say that these trade issues are related between the issues that the U.S. has with uh, exports to China and to Mexico, particularly in the U.S. with corn, soybeans, and dairy products and pork, you know, being limited in where they're going. It's really a challenge for U.S. producers. And quite frankly, we have the same issue for producers in Western Canada. So, uh, you know, I they may be a little bit different in kind of what their practices are, what their crops are. But at the end of the day, they're the same kind of people. And they are looking for, you know, respect, and they're looking for solutions that work for them. And uh, they're looking for people that want to listen to what they have to say, because I think many times they're kind of written off these days uh, with, you know, tech, you know, all the tech companies and all the flashy things that happen in our economy. You know, farmers get often overlooked in the important role that they feed, that they do in feeding all of us and feeding the world. So I find that it doesn't really matter where you go. Farmers are, you know, pretty much the same kind of people at the end of the day. Just do you, do you think that there's anything you've learned being in Canada during your time here that you'll any lessons that you'll take back now when you when you go back to Illinois and start again there? Oh, I'm sure there's a ton of things. I mean, you know, just the fact that uh, you sit here, I sit here in Calgary for the last four and a half years uh, in the heart of the oil and gas business in North America. You know, basically I view it being split equally between Houston and and Calgary. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much about the oil and gas business and the industry and how it operates and what drives the market. And so it's a, and which is a huge uh, benefit when I go in to run a business like, like I'm going to at Growmark. Quite frankly, I probably wouldn't have that job if I didn't have this job mm-hmm. over the last four years and just learning how this industry operates. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take all of that uh, knowledge and connections and uh, experience with me. But I'm also going to take, you know, there's a lot, there's lots of things about how the, you know, the federal ag programs work in Canada versus how they work, you know, in the U.S. That it, it's a better perspective of trade when you sit in a different country, and you kind of understand a, a different perspective on how trade works and what what influences it. So, I'm sure there are tons of things, and and just like you do in any job, there's things that you learn that you take along with you and. Um, you know, in the cooperative world, we have a lot of complexity sometimes around our governance models. And so I obviously learned about more about that as UFA has been working through uh, their own governance uh, transformation over the last few years. 
so there's tons of things that you take away from every job, but those are kind of three things in particular that relate to the cooperative model that I'll take along. Right, yeah. And so, of course, as you know, the ag industry is, is currently going through a pretty major transition. In the last decade, it's become huge business, extremely high risk, and heavily influenced by scientific and, and technological advances, especially in things like genetics and AI and, and soil sciences. Do ag co-ops still have a place in this new paradigm? And, and if so, what is it that's going to keep them relevant? I think they absolutely do, and the reason I say that is in my, one of my previous roles, I worked with some of the biggest food companies in the world, and, and those companies like Nestle, like Hershey, they want to understand how the ingredients that they procure from our producers are, are, are produced, how they're grown, and that they are grown sustainably and, and with the right kinds of technology. And I think so cooperatives certainly have a role because they provide a, a window from those food companies through to how farmers actually, what the production practices are. Now that means we have to be trust, you know, be more trustful probably than what we've been and more open than we might've been in the past to share our, our ag practices and, and communicate and educate that they're, that they are sustainable and that we are doing all the things that we can do to make production systems work more efficiently and more effectively and, and, to, and that they're safe for consumers. So I think cooperatives have an important role to, to play on that, whether they're in the food manufacturing side or if it's just on the production agriculture side of how is canola produced in Alberta, for example, helping companies understand that. The other thing I think is, you know, we, as I said, we have a lot of, you know, exciting or, you know, what appear to be very flashy things going on with technology in our space. I think cooperatives can help, uh, can, you know, bring something to that story by saying, by showing technology companies and helping them connect with producers to see how does this technology really apply and how does it help farmers when it gets to the ground level? Because they have to get that technology from the bench top to the con from the concept to actually operation in the field. And I think quite frankly, co cooperatives are well-placed to do that because we have a direct connection with farmers, which they don't have. So, but that means we have to be, you know, we have to step out of sometimes our more traditional thought patterns and our practices to, you know, find ways to work with companies that are maybe not cooperatives or, you know, very different than ourselves, come from different places than ourselves. But I think if we can do that, and I know that Growmark is working on that, and we're thinking about that at UFA as well, and others, others that I've worked with in, in the U.S., of we have to figure out a way to work with these innovative ideas and bring them to farmers because we know that farmers will adopt them and that at the end of the day, it's better for all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess lastly, I mean, obviously you have a very exceptional resume and no doubt there's, there's a lot of corporations that would love to have you on board. So what is it that's kept you in the ag co-op world for, for the last uh, 23 or so years? Well, I think, you know, cooperative or otherwise, I think for me what keeps me... Uh, engaged is first of all the people and I've worked with some fantastic people you know around North America now and you know whether it be in Illinois or Mississauga or Seattle Minneapolis now Calgary I've been very very fortunate and particularly in Alberta and Western Canada I would say the people have been exceptionally welcoming to me and my family and it's going to be tough to leave here because of that so the people is, you know, obviously it's very, very important. But to me, it's also the challenge, you know, a challenge. I don't shy away from a challenge. As you know, as you mentioned, my resume has got some crazy, messy stuff on it <laughs> over the past 25 years. 
but I, I think there, for if you are interested in, in, in growing your career, I think, you know, what, what I say to people is, you know, don't be afraid to, to take risk. Don't be afraid to move. You know, obviously I've moved around a lot and that's tough, but, but, uh, you know, the cooperative system has given me opportunities to do in things that I quite do and see things quite frankly, that I never would have expected. So, uh, you know, but you got to put yourself out and, and be open to new opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the last question that I had for you, Carol. Is there anything else you, you would like to add or anything that I didn't touch on that you'd like to mention? Maybe just that, you know, I'd like to just say thanks to all the people that I've come in contact with in the cooperative uh, system, particularly in Western Canada, but certainly across all of Canada. And I will still have responsibility for business in Ontario and a connection to UFA through Growmark. So I look forward to working with people in the cooperative system in, in Canada as well as in the U.S. as I have the last two decades and I appreciate the time to visit with uh, with you this morning and share a little bit about my story as I move along. Thank you so much for joining us. To give us your thoughts on anything we discussed in this episode, you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter as at coops underscore first. We'll be back in a few weeks with another episode of The Common Share. <laughs>